Dear listeners, welcome back to the latest episode of the podcast series, The Way Out Is In. Joe Confino, working at the intersection of personal transformation and systems change. And I am Brother Fab Hu, a student of Zen Master Tikkihan in the Plum Village tradition. And today we have the honor of speaking with Joanna Macy, the famous Buddhist scholar, environmental activist, and expert on general systems theory and deep ecology. The way out is in. Welcome back, everyone. I am Joe Confino. And I am Brother Fab Hu. And we have Joanna Macy. Joanna, welcome. I'm delighted to be here. Good morning to you in your late afternoon. Yes. Yeah. And and we feel very fortunate because um, this is our second bite at the cherry because we had Joanna on a few months ago. But now we get the chance to speak to you all over again. So we're, we're very happy about that, Joanna. And um, it'd be great maybe to start, obviously, um, with the passing of uh, Zen Master Thich Nhat Hanh. Joanna, it'd be lovely just to get a sense of the impact of Thai's passing. When did you hear about it and, and how did you respond? Well, of course, a lot of people were telling me. Um, and the first was from a, a colleague, um, miles away, who just sent an email, Teknat Han is dead. But then then the, the news came. And, um, and, and my uh, heart, mind, body uh, couldn't believe it. And uh, in a sense, it, didn't, it made no sense. And uh, But then, uh, as the remarkable thing, is that in this case, so a lot of people, you can imagine for me in my 90s, how many people I've heard about dying. But this, in this case with Ty, uh, it soon became uh, not news of a loss, but an experience of uh, a, almost an intensification of uh, his presence in the world. The world seemed fuller than ever, uh, I mean, really full of, of, of Thai, uh, that it was what he meant was so close to the very nature of our world, to the air we breathe, to the way the light comes in, uh, to the joy that there is in being alive, uh, the pain there is in seeing sorrow. Uh, it all was... Uh, resonant with the presence of Thai, not his absence. And so it seemed to me in the days and, and weeks that have followed that uh, people are relishing and, and, and as they remember, there's, uh, their remembering is washed with gratitude. So uh, it's been like that. And, and Joanna, you had the opportunity to to see some of the ceremonies live from Vietnam. 
of Tide Pods, oh, which, yes. which was which was in a sense a, a worldwide phenomenon. But tell us, what was your experience of that? Uh, I just such utter gratitude that Ty was granted uh, a good long life uh, and that in that life he could share so much and grow around him like a garden, uh, a place that reflected uh, his devotion and his awakened mind uh, and the beauty he loved in this world. One reason, of course, that he was so uh, important to me was that, oh, I'm going to cry again, but was that uh, he loved this world. And I'm so fed up with spiritual people who think they can rise above mere phenomenality and physical world. It's all one. And, it, and, and that to see uh, that he had had time in his life to uh, bring into being uh, Plum Village, as well as so many wonderful books and so many teachings and so many lives that he touched. What a blessing and, and how grateful we can be. He saw so much death around him when he was a young monk in Vietnam. Recently, there's been the publications of those early days from Parallax Press. The fragrant palm leaves when he was remembering, seeking a place with his young brother monks and sister nuns that they could be rejoiced. I, I love those books that they were able to come out uh, before his death. He was granted that much. He had so much courage, the courage not to, to, and the imagination, the combination of courage, imagination, and devotion to life in service to the Buddha Dharma, that he could, uh, always, always seeking from a young monk, ways through the school for social service, or the temple he was building with the, that he described in fragrant uh, palm leaves that could, because he loved this world. He loved this world, and so do I. And that's why I have been so deeply, wonderfully blessed, feel blessed to know him because he echoed, or I could say, yes, it is fitting. Uh, you don't try to be a spiritually perfect person. You want to just be open to love. And that love wipes out fear, and that love takes you into this world, and it gives you strength and courage. And he, I'm sorry, I didn't, I'm really happy. <laughs> I'm so happy about this, I can't help but cry. My heart is crying too. And, and so, Joanna? You, yeah. What, 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 are, what are your tears telling you? That he's alive. And all of us, as we are, and, and we are, we enter our, if ever there is a, a message uh, in, in our grief and in our love at his passing, 
I guess that's it. That we belong to each other. Uh, there's no limits to the joy that comes uh, with having a way to know and express your deepest feelings and knowings. Tell, tell us a bit about your feeling around this, the, the, whole, the way the whole world came together to celebrate Ty's life. What, what was your sensing of that? Huh. You see some wonderful people in my lifetime uh, have, have uh, we've lost. But to have this, because it's like he, maybe it's that, Joe, that it's like he uh, became his teachings. He who so wanted, and, and this is what moves me, he knew that the word shunya, empty, for what we awaken to, wasn't enough. I had felt that. Um, when we really get the core of the teachings, Pachicha Samutpada, our dependent co-arising, uh, and that for centuries, the common word that was used for that, in, especially in Zen, was shunya, empty. So, so I would often uh, have to explain to people, they'd say, empty of what? I say, empty of a separate self, empty of the illusion of a permanent separate self. Well, that's helpful, but it doesn't quite make you, you know, see sparks, you know. <laughs> it's not thrilling. It's, it's intellectually very help, helpful. So uh, what I loved uh, was back when I had because uh, he, he'd been important to me since the 1960s uh, when he was in Vietnam and then had to leave. And I was already knowing that and, and following that to some extent. And then his coming uh, with through the uh, Quakers and the Fellowship of Reconciliation to uh, the U.S. and, and to our and and so watching that, I didn't know him and ever meet him till 1982. Hmm. So many people were 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 giving messages, and people, thousands of people were were appreciating yeah. him. And... That's right. Well, uh, and the generosity and forethought that went into uh, Plum Village, uh, being able and, and, and so generously to share uh, what's how you're celebrating or honoring experiencing that allowed us to feel uh, that we're a family together uh, and that uh, this family is his uh, an, a strong element but not the only one of his continuation. So I guess the very word continuation became more vivid, more palpable through in this case. Boy, yes, I can, this continuation of a being, I can feel it. I can see it. So the teachings, I was on a call to 
a neuroscientist with whom I'm working, Daniel Siegel, who had been invited actually to Plump Village and hadn't been able to make it and that had an appointment with Thich Nhat Hanh, but when he got to make be able to do it, he, he had uh, had his stroke. And he's just in the phone call, he just uh, said, let me just let me just read a poem, and so uh, he took time, uh, slowly, to read, uh, "No Coming, No Going," and for us to, uh, one of us in Berkeley and the other, Northern California and the other in Los Angeles, who are usually so busy with plans, um, and and new ideas about. Uh, what we're doing, oh, taking time as he quietly read uh, those lines. It's like the world became a way of seeing him in a new way. Mm. Not a new way, but a more intense and real way. That, yes, it's continuation. We have been brought to life, brought to birth by, in the web of life, has brought us here. And... Uh, and that's just, and and we'll be always be part of it. And Joanna, I'm just wondering. I mean, you 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 know, there are lots of people who have never met Ty. There are very few people who have known him as you have over more than forty years. It'd be lovely. He went back fifty. Fifty. So it'd be, it would be lovely for our readers, our listeners rather, to to just get a sense of. Um, what impression he made on you when you first met him? Can I go back to just when I first uh, found out about him? Sure, of course. Yeah, because that was in the 1960s, and that was when I encountered the Buddha Dharma. And uh, as I, I uh, and that was in northern India when I was working with Tibetan refugees. And it became uh, my path and my gladness and my love and my purpose. <laughs> I wanted to teach it in the university. I remember after I thought, so I went home and stopped everything else and studied. Um, I loved the teaching about the bodhisattva when I heard about it. And I thought, what a wonderful idea that came in 2,000 years ago in the tradition. How wonderful it was that they saw that. And then when I uh, learned that there was this monk in Vietnam, and then he was brought on a visit, though I didn't meet him then, uh, to the United States by the... Uh, Fellowship of Reconciliation and the Quakers, and there were pictures of him and poems. Uh, I thought, oh, that's a bodhisattva. They're alive in the world today. He is actually working to bring sanity and peace in Vietnam. He is struggling there. He's He's teaching young people, how they can go into the villages and help the villages, you know, during the 
years of the what they call the American War there. So uh, right on, I saw uh, Thich Nhat Hanh as a, a, a comforting thought, uh, or a challenging, beautiful thought, energizing thought that the Bodhisattva, uh, there are Bodhisattvas in our world today. That's major. When I went to the university to study, I said, I'd like to study about and even make a course on uh, religion and revolution. And the professors say, what? Those are opposite things. What do you mean, religion and revolution? <laughs> and uh, I said, well, of course. I, that's what I want. I want to see how the spiritual teachings are not separate from your work for justice and peace in the world. That's what, that's a revolution. At any rate, so that, he, I was enshrined in that. I'm sorry to be talking so slowly, but I'm not get the point well. And then it was, then reading him, and then much later in uh, 40 years ago now, Forty years ago, this June, I uh, met him, and that was at the United Nations Special Session on Disarmament. It was a very moving, because th that was the time of the uh, insane, <laughs> under President Reagan and his war against the evil empire, an insane amount of nuclear arms race. Uh, and uh, military gestures and are putting uh, missiles all over uh, Europe to close get closer to menace the Soviet Union. And um, and at that time, this went, so people poured out to uh, the United Nations. There was a march there across New York of a million people. I was there. But at the, near the UN was a, I can't remember where exactly, but there was a, a very formal, official, um, pompous even, uh, meeting of uh, religious leaders. And they were patriarchs and they were bishops and one after another would come in to address the uh, audience and uh, they were all in their fine robes and and miters and imposing and then at the end uh my heart beat faster oh this take not how i'm now gonna see him and <laughs> true with my eyes and then from stage <laughs> i love this i just love it from stage left comes this slight figure in a plain brown coat and he walking out no papers in his hand for what he was going to read and he just walked quietly out to the mic reached in his pocket and all he said was on the way here I wrote a poem I will read it to you and that was his speech. And the speech was, 
call me by my true names. It was the first time I had heard it or those words. Uh, I am a frog swimming happily in a pond and I am the grass snake quietly consuming him. And the, the I am the girl throwing herself in the ocean from be, after being raped by the sea pirate, and I am the sea pirate, the uh, the, the pirate uh, not uh, able yet to learn to love. So, <laughs> and that was it. And those words meant more than all to me. And I couldn't imagine not to others uh, what all the uh, resonance words that were spoken so resonantly and importantly as of important people, all these important voices. <laughs> Ty had, a, had an absolute knack. I've seen it in so many situations where he could deflate <laughs> the pompous. <laughs> the self-important, and it was one of his most amazing capacities to teach, styles of teaching. Jana, what, what impact did that poem have on you? Why, why, why do you? why did you, what do you feel it was telling us in the world? Well, I would, uh, in, in, in Joanna language for me, I said what I saw as I'd seen uh, in other amazing people, uh, and it doesn't have to be Buddhist, you know, it's because my roots were Christ, Christian. But um, it's that we're here, uh, we're given this life to the, live this life in service to love. And um, he was able uh, to uh, do this in his uh, way without sentimentality, with seeing that the heartbreaking cost in service to the gift of life, the preciousness of each moment, each breathing moment we can live, uh, is for that. So it's it sort of slaps. I love that it slaps you awake, and to jerks you back from your self-importance. You're thinking that you've made it. Their concerns about rank, uh, titles. And that you remember, like the true saints, like Saint Francis, you know, when Saint Francis, during the Crusades, went to talk to a Muslim leader or high imam, he just he just walked, uh, and he was soiled, and he looked like a beggar. So this world is too fragile and too beautiful uh, for us to hesitate for a moment to, in service to uh, peace. And right 
now my country is trying to go to war. Right now, our president is using every excuse he can, it seems, it seems, to find reason to use our huge military machine against Russia, fostering a crisis. So our society uh, as a whole is uh, trembling with the uh, chaotic uh, feelings of, of what are we here for? What are we here for? To, to uh, feed the weapons makers? Their stock is going very high. Oh, everyone who's invented and the uh, nuclear weapons, oh, a lot of money. So the ties work on devotion to, to peace is just as important to every breath we take um, as it ever was. And Brother Fapu, do you want to add something about Thai as the peace activist? Because he was, in during the Vietnam War, he neither supported one side or the other, and that's what made him the enemy almost of both sides. But he stood his ground right in the centre. But is there anything right. you would like to add to what Joanna said? Thank you, Joe. I think we were very lucky to have a teacher who was able to stand on his two feet very firmly with the insight that uh, compassion, love is the answer. And there is a path of nonviolence. And that as humans, what is so important is to recognize the different mental formations that we have, the different feelings that comes up, which is we can name it greed, uh, we can name it um, power, we can name it um, hatred, discrimination, wanting to consume. And we need teachers to wake us up because this is what pushes us to, to do things that we will regret as well as will bring harm and will bring um, destruction. And if we don't have teachers and we don't have people who are brave to speak those words, to share that insight, then there is no light. And I think what Joanna shared about Taiwan of the characteristic that we can, we can um, see Tai as is a living bodhisattva because bodhi, it means awaken. It means someone who has seen the light, who has seen the path. And sattva is a being that has compassion and that wants to be a part of the world, it wants to still see him or her as part of this beautiful manifestation. And because Tai has seen the beauty of life, he wants to help us not fall into the darkness and, and to share that also suffering can be an ingredient for us to wake up from the darkness. And I think this is quite, um, uh, it's a revolution because sometimes we, even spiritual practitioners, we forget to come out of our comfort zone, which is like the peace and the quiet and the, the stability that we may have in our living room, we may have in our little shrine that we create. 
and we forget that but we are a part of the world and the suffering that is outside is also a part of us and if the outside suffer we will suffer also and if we can bring peace to little villages uh, little communities little families little groups here and there the impact will multiply and that will have an effect that we call this interbeing effect that this everything can connect and it can ripple through and i think this was very very engaging and and that's what we can we can say that part of tai's legacy is bringing buddhism into engaged and applied buddhism and and for tai that where what where he was growing up in and where he was his environment around him was was a lot of war was a lot of violence was a lot of destruction and he saw that i have to be engaged now i have to apply the teachings of the buddha that i have studied that i am chanting peace compassion um suffering and i have to speak it in the language that everyone can understand and can see the suffering in the here and now i think a lot of the times you know we we talk about the past and then we forget about the present and i think one of the things that tai as a as a teacher was always helping us come back to the present moment to know what is the suffering in the here and now and to use the teaching of the buddha to apply it to solve the, and to find a way out of the suffering so you know this was a part of tai's path and this is part of tai's teaching and this is what he never stopped doing you know and and even after we can say the war um it doesn't mean that hell doesn't exist anymore and suffering doesn't exist anymore but there is still hells and suffering and fire in our hearts and as well as in the environment around us and we want to take care of the peace and the love that is also present and and that is also part of tai's work is allowing us to see the the beauty of life and how to nourish and protect it and cultivate the beauty because if we don't cultivate it it will die out and and then we will um repeat itself this is samsara and humanity we like to go in this circle of suffering happiness suffering happiness suffering happiness and there is a a deep interconnection to it but at the same time we have to know how to cultivate the well-being and i think this is where some of tai's work um through the time of the war as well as um after the war and creating communities of love community of understanding and community of change and i think this is still very relevant of today thank you fapu and uh, you mentioned fapu um into being and we know that um this is a a word that tai coined to um give us a deep understanding of the interrelationship of all there is and i know joanna you were present as tai was trying to formulate um how to get that across it'd be lovely um if you would yeah. tell us about that time you were with him uh it was the year after he uh, he was on a tour in 1983 coming back to the US for second the year right after he first came I, that I first met him at the United Nations on this one he went went from zendo to zendo 
Zen teaching centers around the country. And here, for us in the San Francisco Bay Area, we went out, a group of us, to be with him at the Tassajara Zen Mountain Center. And my doctoral work, decade before, had been on the Buddha's teachings of dependent co-arising uh, and reciprocity. I was a very <laughs> lively part of that small group because I was so excited, with, and I could see what he was driving at. And he started with a chair, because he, uh, he was looking out, and he put a, we, we were sitting together in a circle, and he put a chair in the middle of the circle and said, well, now, on that chair, you think it's a chair, but it's actually made up of non-chair elements. And so that he was, all, as we were, you know, teaching to see that this chair is uh, made up of non-chair uh, elements and, and therefore is, is very intricately connected with other forms of existence. We, we were, I could see he was trying to, uh, looking for something to replace shunya or empty as what as the essential nature of existence or what we awaken to and um, I was uh, and, and one night um, I heard a knock on the do my door and opened the door and there was Ty and he says I think I have the word and I said oh, what is it what is it and he said togetherness <laughs> no, no, it's not that yet. No, we're gonna, you're going to find it. It's going to come to you. It's not that. And um, it actually, interbeing, did not arrive then. I think it was on that trip, but it was. And the, but the, I knew, and I knew that he would know the minute it came, because uh, he made a word. He had to make up his own word. That was partly. He couldn't borrow something like togetherness, which makes it sound like the Saturday Evening Post or just being cozy together. It's not <laughs> really. <laughs> and because you hear that and use that, you begin to feel your way into the experience of it. And you begin to see that it actually relates to uh, aspects of what you experience and what you want to serve. Yeah. I think that that will be appreciated uh, as much as anything that uh, he offered us. I've just finished um, bringing up a book that I am so excited about. Uh, and it, it's uh, a new edition, but very rewritten um, and newly written uh, called Active Hope. And uh, it is uh, saying that our hope is uh, in what we, not what we just like to see, or what we think is happening, or what we think it looks like this is, I'm hopeful because of uh, some outer, sign, outer phenomenon. But this is what I really want to have, what I'm ready, even if it's not very likely, is what I'm ready to give my life for. So that deep intention, so it's a celebration of intention. 
and an intention that I see in every aspect of uh, Ty's life too. Uh, how we can, uh, in our manner, in our thinking, in our breathing, it's all imbued with a recognition of our belonging, our mutual belonging with all the world. And that mutual belonging touches our responsibility that we enter our so that we can, we must take part in our world. And I think of that as I see now uh, in the climate crisis, the threat to everything, every aspect of our world and our existence. We are closer to its chaotic collapse than at any time of our history, of our existence. That's what the scientists are saying. And we've got this decade. We haven't yet begun to lower the emissions that's, and the desecration of our world. So it's been very easy for people to talk about, especially here in, you know, where I live, uh, this country, fighting climate change, as if, it's, as if climate change is an enemy. And I am finding myself invited by Ty's teachings to keep saying, this bringing uh, every effort to engage in all those practices of ours, all every aspect of our life, to see it now, how this, this feeds uh, the uh, greenhouse gas emissions, this feeds the loss of biodiversity, this action, this policy, these things of ours that bring uh, up the uh, sea level rise, and to see that as not an enemy to fight, but an invitation to engage in uh, seeing the factors, every factor that can help us enhance our world, to see that it's climate catastrophe is an invitation to us to express our appreciation and understanding of our interbeing so that we can stop throwing our waste into the sea, into the ocean, that we can uh, or put, that we can put our waste in ways that are not poisoning the world. And it's an invitation to be with our world in a new way. What my uh, co-author uh, up in Scotland and I uh, are bringing out this new edition of Active Hope. The earlier edition was How to Face the Mess, with the subtitle, the How to Face the Mess We're In Without Going Crazy. And this new one was How to Face, uh, Active Hope, How to Face the Mess We're In with Unexpected Resilience and Creative Power. 
one of my favorite sections in the middle was we can find it's not just some ordinary chores that we could or giving money to 350.org or um, uh, marching, but it, the way we do all our living and uh, that what helps us do with joy and with fresh eyes uh, a, a, a way of living more fully on this planet with a uh, in these transformations, what we call a wider sense of self to recognize that you interexist with uh, the natural world, with that flower, with the uh, sanitation truck, just uh, taking the trash from front of my house or from the, uh, we interexist with the uh, empty mansions and the crowded uh, tenements in our world. And that wider sense of self brings a sense of interexistence and and affection and love with so much around our world. And then that's a different kind of power, that our power is not power over, but power with. And with so much uh, wonderful uh, examples and ways of um, experiencing that in our life, that uh, you can find that your power with is you actually can feel as that collaboration uh, is so uh, transforming to your life that you can do this and you can work in tandem or in collaboration with the peoples, with the critters, uh, with the ecology. Uh, and, that, and this gives you a sense of community, brings that a reality of community and then uh, it brings in what we can find with time itself. Uh, we are uh, building weapons and nuclear contamination uh, and weapons that last until the end of time. Part of what our weapons, when they are used, like depleted uranium, they la that poison lasts four and a half billion years. It does. It's the science. It's so we <laughs> we're capable now of doing things of of almost erasing time and and in working with that, we find that we can be supported by and and we have exercises as we speak with future beings, future the they're with us in this moment because what we're doing now affects everyone who will live until the uh, end of Earth. And so we can imagine we're doing it for them, we're doing it with them, relishing, feeling a partnership and that uh, with people who are uh, living in the future and who will be uh, contending with what we've left them. And so therefore, they want also to be helpful to us now as we do things that will help there be a world for them. So this is, it's a, a wealth that we can learn to experience, you know. And, and Joanna, that's a wonderful way of seeing into being that is not just into being in the present moment, but it's actually bringing the future into the present moment. So oh, we're not, beautiful. 
Yes. So that whatever we do now will affect the future. And, and, and if we bring the future into the present moment, it connects us to the impact of our actions now. And what I found, Joe, is that uh, there is actually a sense of grace, of being, the, of being assisted so that the, going through a long meeting or preparing statistics and reports, uh, I have found that this reality of our interexistence actually helps me feel them with me, and it gives me more energy. It gives me more staying power. I'm doing it for them, on for their sake, so they're in me. Because I know they, it's maybe it's their idea, but they don't have any hands or a laptop to or to uh, voice this audible now. So they have to borrow for people, us who have hands and can voices that are and human voices. It helps that we're human because we need to talk to other humans. So that we love, we, I feel sometimes that I'm just in my interbeing with the future. I'm handing them, letting them use uh, me, but it's their ideas sometimes, their humor, their uh, passion <laughs> that, that keeps yeah. me from getting tired and giving up. Thank you, Joanna. Beautifully, beautifully put. Uh, Brother Fapu, is there anything you would like to add about the, you know, what, what interbeing means for you and how, how it can help all of us to, um, as Joanna says, to really deeply connect to our place in the world and the world's place in us? Uh, two famous sentences that Tai has used to share about interbeing. This is because that is, and that is because this is. Everything is intertwined. So I think I I feel like Joanna and you, Joe, really presented inter interbeing so beautifully. So I think I just wanted to add that 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 two sentence because um, I really, really, really enjoy it whenever Tai would um, share about it in the Dharma talks, and that that language is so simple, but it's so profound, and it's such a reality because this is because that is and that is because this is and that is a fact that is the truth and no matter what our mind tries to create if we are courageous and we are brave we will accept that so interbeing is also a teaching for us to look at reality with courage with um understanding and with with the with the agency to to take care of the past, present, and future. Thank you, Fabio. I think what would be really interesting is to know over the last 10 years since Active Hope was published, which talked a lot about uh, the anxiety and the problems in the world and then how to how to address them. You know, what what how has your thinking changed over the last 10 years in terms of how do we approach this multiple crisis? Okay. 
for me, what's, what has been showing up, uh, and particularly in the last, say, uh, four or five years, what's been showing up has been uh, a, a, an increased sense of wonder. And that uh, to be here at a time when uh, this could very well be, and many people think is the end of the world, because how are we going to um, be able to uh, control the forces we've unleashed? Uh, we don't know. We how do we stop this huge engine of capitalism? This uh, it's it's on automatic. It's sort of the I've, I've come to see that uh, corporations that are keep on drilling and keep on spewing their waste and keep on. It's not that they want to, but that they have set the goals. They've automated the goals. And and it's in the way, so it's gone transhuman into a uh, um, machine-like, um, and that when I, when a CEO gets to a, a human gets to be a chief executive officer and says, "Oh, let's do," he they, they can't. The machine gets him fired before he can take office. So the humans are sort of hapless in this. Uh, so much has become automated. So uh, this can look like a nightmare, but it can also uh, make us stop, um, uh, come to each other's rescue, uh, come to see our solidarity. Uh, no one is really wanting uh, to everybody to choke to death on fumes, you know, no one. So we can, it's an invitation for our compassion and wiliness. And, uh, and then what, strangely, Joe, what's come for me over and over again is a sense of awe and wonder, as I said, and gratitude. Here's grateful. If I had ever known that this, we would be in a situation like this, facing a global collapse and collapse of our civilization, that I could be present then. That if this time would ever come, you know, it, that, that yes, this, the end of the world would come, that I could be present. I would have thought, how could I be so lucky? It's just an incredible privilege to be here, to be here because uh, our, then you realize that it's a, there's just a short step from that to see that everything is kind of hapless. Who knows how to deal with this? And they become uh, your beloveds. You want to reach out to everybody. Nobody's choosing this. This their forms and it goes way back through time. Some of it's the patriarchy and power over. Nobody, you know, nobody living certainly chose that. And so 
where here we are together in this boat. And the boats, you know, we're still in the fresh air or not fresh air, you know, choking a little. But we're together. I'm thinking there was a wonderful play about um, the ghetto in Warsaw where people were trapped. And they knew they were trapped. And they were talking together because there was a big Gestapo raid up out on the streets. They couldn't, you know, if they went out, they'd go off to um, Auschwitz. So they're down there, and they think that's there they are. And they loved each other. They, they broke into love for each other in a way, an honesty. And all falsehoods, all falseness dropped away. It's so wonderful to be in a moment when we can see, uh, take part in this, when we can see that uh, nothing can stop us We can from still loving each other. And maybe that's the best thing we could do because nobody's really in charge. Nobody's forcing us to fear and hate each other. And Joanna, then the opportunity is if we love each other, then something can very quickly transform. Yes. Yes. So it's at the moment of at the moment of greatest vulnerability is the opportunity for greatest transformation. That's right. That's right. I have to I I feel this so in my heart, and it gives me such gladness to be alive that I haven't found a way of saying this. Maybe you can help me say it better, uh, that when we uh, we fall into each other's arms with helplessly, who else is there? Who else is there but the people that we've been trained to distrust or compete with? We have so, to, that what part of what's killed us is competition, that the, the gift of five centuries of... Uh, uh, individualism and capitalism. So, so Brother Fapu, because luckily, Joanna, Brother Fapu is very articulate. Um, so maybe we can turn to you, Brother, which is, can, can you describe how Thai's teachings can help us in these times? Because, because what we're seeing in the world is actually that as this fear grows, there's a lot of division also and, and separation and people... Um, seeing each other as enemies. And what Joanna is saying is there's also an opportunity to end the separation, to come together, to see each other deeply connected. Um, And that could be what allows us to finally shift gears as a a species. What what would Tai say at this moment, do you think, knowing um, everything he has taught you? I think Tai would teach us to to continue to learn to fall in love with with the earth, continue to fall in love with humanity as a species, and to see that um, we are all interconnected. Because, like Joanna said, like at the end, if we don't fall, I. I she, 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 you explained it so beautifully. Um, it's like falling. What was it? Falling into each other again? Because at the end, like that's. <laughs> yeah, or uh, we turn to each other. We turn to each other. Uh, oh, 
we can fall into each other's arms. Right. Uh, because we're going to, like those people in the tunnel under the doomed Warsaw ghetto in there, they were the only ones they had. And they first they blamed each other for their setup, and then they, when they saw that they were going to uh, die together, uh, they... Mm. Uh, took care of each other and were very tender and and even fell in love. So mm. we can learn to not blame each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the teaching is mindfulness of of connection and mindfulness of no self. And this is a very deep Buddhist teaching that we cannot be without all of the conditions around us, you know, like let's let's all meditate together right now. Let us just look within our own body. If we look deeply within our two hands, you know, we are not separated. We have to recognize that our ancestors are very present. Our father, our mother. Looking more deeply, we can see the whole cosmos that is present with us. The air that we breathe is thanks to nature all around. The well-being that we have is connected to everything that is around us. So we have to bring up this awareness of no self. And no self, it doesn't mean we are we are no nobody. We are empty and, and we don't exist. But this practice is to allow us to see that beyond our self we are connected to everything else and if we can touch this i believe that we will reduce our greed we will reduce our own competition our own ambition that we want more 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 and more and i think one of the practices that we have is the middle way in buddhism and maybe today's language, we can even put it in moderation. We have to know when is enough. And the more actually doesn't offer us more happiness and this striving for wanting more, wanting to be better, wanting to have a, a bigger house, uh, a bigger meal. Um, and all of this is all based on this temptation of seeing that we want to be better than others as well as we are not supporting each other. So this insight that our teacher teaches us through very simple language, which is seeing that we inter-are, we interconnect, we interbe. This is the key. And and what is so important is we do need a spiritual dimension. You know, whatever I am sharing, they are notion, they are teachings. But what we all need is a practice. We all need to apply it. And what our teacher would say, now put it into practice. The air that you breathe, connect that. See the life inside of you and the life all around you. And if you can connect to that, then this insight becomes a reality. So we we have to bring this aspect, which is our tradition, is the engagement, is the applying to everyday life. You know, if we look at ourselves right now, we can see happiness is present. We have good eyes. 
we can breathe, we can see, we can feel. And we have to nourish that, we have to care for that. And if we look outside of us, we see the beauty of life. Like Kai has seen the beauty of life and he loves this world. Therefore, he has put his heart to protecting this world, right? So it's all about applying it. And that and that's why communities are very important. We need to be reminded of each other. We need to be reminded of the beauty. We need to be reminded of the path, you know, this path that we have in front of us. And, and this is for me so crucial um, as now we are all continuations of Tai. We have to bring his teaching into reality because if we don't practice it, this is actually when Tai dies. But if we practice, then Tai will always be alive. And I think this is the gentle reminder or the thunderous reminder that Tai is offering us. you you know i'm just about a practice that came to mind uh, that i do and that it's and now it it's worked its way into being in the work that reconnects uh and when uh seeing a face it could be somebody i don't know it could be someone i step into an elevator that, with or that i see in the driving a truck uh coming around the corner just seeing that face uh, or someone I buy toothpaste from in the store is uh, this person is someone I could be with when I die. And that notion that there's these hands that I see holding the briefcase could be uh, offering me water uh, if we're in an accident or if the elevators stops between floors and we're stuck there and we are with you know that we're in life together we may even be falling into death together someone i never even met before so the possibility of that depth of sacred encounter is there with everyone in this planet. This planet doesn't know whether it'll be around to carry life. So that makes every moment is precious. This every moment is like a once in a lifetime. Every moment is like you can feel inside you a sweet ache of, of love, of how you can be there for this being you hardly know. Thank you, Joanna. And, and you, you talk so beautifully about it's at the, mo the moment we're most tender that our heart opens the widest when, when we have nothing, nothing more to lose, that actually everything becomes crystal clear, everything becomes precious, everything becomes in this moment, in the moment. There's no, at that moment, there's no past, there's no future, there's just now. And that's when we can feel the most. 
experience the most, understand the most, see the most. And choose to. Instead of panic, you can say, ah, we're in this moment with this tree, with this person, with this dog, with this planet. Joanna, we've talked a lot about Ty's continuation. Um, You are still very much alive with a lot of energy. And also I wanted to ask you about your continuation because I imagine you have less years to live than you've so far lived. I think we can probably say that is true. Um, What is it that you hope will be your continuation? What What is it that you feel that like Ty has been a teacher to you, how would you like to see yourself continuing once you have passed into another realm? Well, I think probably um, what we've just been talking about, a, a, um, that's what uh, I think I would want people to. I want people to be glad in a sense of grateful. Each one of us has been given this incredible sensitivities. We've been given eyes to see, ears to hear, voice box to sing our home, fingers that can feel, skin that can receive and give touch, a mind to imagine with. And it always begins with uh, gratitude to receive the gift of life. And that means just stop hurrying for a moment and just realize or realize looking at your face on the screen, Joe, and all that you have brought and uh, and your wit and your funniness and your uh, way of loving people and your imagination and your uh, great uh, journalist at the Guardian was at this um, so just to uh, be be bowled over by each other uh, in a moment there's a friend of mine coming making time in her life to take me for a hike and I love her because she knows I like to go to high places and she, she knows I think I'm a great walker even when I stumble any rate so there's that and then with that gratitude we move to the second part of the spiral which is honoring our pain for the world now don't try to cheer yourself up all the time feel the feel the sorrow feel the grief feel the uh, loneliness feel that it's good. That's because you're alive, and and the fact that you care so it hurts for the world. That's a form of love. That just shows you it's not. Do not let that get pathologized. No, 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 no. It isn't because it's not abnormal. It's a face of love. Pain for the world and love for the world are just two sides of one coin. So honor your pain for the world. And that actually is so magical for us now that the third part of the station of the spiral is to see with new eyes 
And we've been talking about that right here, using every moment to wake up to something that, oh, what that means, oh, what that allows, oh, what that gives me a new idea about what I can do. So that's seeing with new eyes, and then you get all kinds of creative ideas and feelings. And then the fourth and last uh, part of the spiral is going forth. I've just used that. It's the words in English that the Buddha used to say. Now we will go forth for the welfare and happiness of all beings. Now, <laughs> what I just heard yesterday, that there's a big uh, rally or not for our... Um, if you can do a Zoom rally, but there is a virtual rally for coaches for on climate change. And a friend of mine told me day before yesterday that the whole thing is based on the spiral. People are going to be relishing gratitude together for this moment to be here. Don't complain all the time. You're not going to be useful to the world in any way if you're not glad to be here. So do that and then... Then sorrow together. Oh, cry. Oh, let's cry together. Things are so cruel and hard. And oh, people are suffering. Oh, but oh, it's huge heart. What a huge heart I have. Oh, wow. That gives me new ideas because it's a heart mind. And now I've got new ideas of what I can do and who I can work with. And then end it with going forth. Okay, see you later. I'm off to do what I want to do. The last sentence of um, your first edition of Active Hope said, an oyster in response to trauma grows a pearl. And I, I think that's such a beautiful summation of, of what you say is we go into the hard times, we go into the suffering, we go into the feelings, and the pearl is inside which is why this podcast is called the way out is in because when yes. we go in find the power. yeah jo joanna i i want to release you in a moment but uh, i just want to ask you one final question because everything you talk about gratitude appreciation about seeing our interconnection is about humility you've talked a lot about power over the sort of the domination of patriarchy and um and we know that actually we're moving into new times of distributed leadership, of, of a sense of um, interconnection. But to have that, we need to let go to some extent of our ego and come back to a place of humility. And, um, and I, I would just love it for you to just to talk a bit about Thich Nhat Hanh and because he, he was this extraordinary presence in the world, but utterly humble. You never saw any sense of ego of it's me, it's mine, it's because of me. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about your um, understanding or, and, and maybe moments you've seen in Thai when you saw that humility shine out. Well, uh, when I first saw him, uh, after all these, I don't mean to... I saw them as self-important. I saw them. And because they were all so grand and the other religious leaders and they were bringing the authority and the tall bishops' miters and everything. And he just, you know, it was as if they were entering to, uh, bugles were playing <laughs> or something. And uh, 
his capacity to just be quiet and listen. Uh, now, I don't think Ty was humble, but it was um, because he didn't even think about how he was being. His attention was on the relationship. He was bringing a poem, so we just walked out. And, uh, and that's one of the most endearing, and also there's something fierce about it. I am, I'm going to show you that I can just be here. I'm here. I don't need to impress you. I don't need to show off. I don't need to display <clears throat> my wondrous capacities for speech or intellect or charm. I'm here. I'm here so real that maybe I don't, maybe that doesn't leave us much choice to be anything but just be here with him. Because it certainly is a form of uh, simplicity that makes anything added on look uh, unfitting or made up or corny. <laughs> I'd like to be here like that, like a flower is here, like a tree is here. Ty had that quality of such fullness of presence that he didn't have time to think about, well, how are they seeing me? You know, you get into, and, and, and our consumer society uh, as works very hard to make us become ever more thinking of how we impress people because we can buy things to be more impressive or learn things to be more impressive. And um, there was none of that in this teacher this bodhisattva. He was the, the whole thing is so incredible to be alive and to be here and to be here with someone else or others or with the sun in the sky or the frogs in the pond. That kind of presence. Presence like a natural phenomenon, not dressed up by your fancy, what are they thinking of me, and what am I going to put on, and how's my makeup, or, you know. <laughs> and just, just being with you, uh, you have a lot of that, as I look at your smiling face. Well, and Joanna, the, the reason my face is smiling is because of you, and, and um I, I just wanted to, um, you know, because we, we don't want to take up too much of your time, but just to honor you in this moment, because the reason I'm, so I'm, I'm looking at myself in the Zoom uh, call and and I'm looking so happy and I, I wasn't looking this happy before I came <laughs> on this call. And, and I, you know, dear listeners, I, I, I've just had a stupid smile on my face the whole time. And that's because, um, Joanna, you also have extraordinary presence and a love of life and um 
and a, a joy and a depth that that is like um, a bubbling brook that just brings forth and um, and naturally and with grace and with power and with um, with just just a, a, a deep sense of of life and um, and and you know just to be here with you for this time. I am full of gratitude for you and for, you know, and it's not just about all the, everything you've done because you've written many books and you've given, you've taught thousands of people and you've given hope to people and you've, you've shown people a path in life, but I'm enjoying it this moment because this moment I feel completely alive in your presence. And, um, and you are a teacher because of, right now you're you are my teacher and to show oh. appreciation oh uh hey uh oak you recorded that i want to hear the recording of that. <laughs> <laughs> i want it so i want a recording of that about me i, <laughs> I want that to be my mirror <laughs> oh but, but and also Joanna, just for you to have known Ty and to be able to share his teachings in such a beautiful way. But Fapu, do you want to? Um, is there anything you'd like to say to it before uh, we release Joanna from our clutches? <laughs> just wanted to also just express my gratitude. It's been such an honor just to sit here in your presence and just to hear you share about your experience with Tai and your encounter with him, as well as your practice and how you have applied his teaching into your daily life, as well as your work, your mission. And to me also, Joanna, you are also a bodhisattva. So thank you for your presence. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your selflessness. And uh, we also aspire to continue you in us. Thank you very much. Um so Joanna, let's. Uh, I know you want to go hiking up a big mountain, so we're going to release you. But if you're able, we can just record your short okay. guided meditation, and then, um, okay. then we can say goodbye. So we're breathing. Each one of us here in the San Francisco Bay Area. I with my friend here you at Plum Village, Christiana who's visiting, Oak at the controls, <laughs> all of us with our people, with the humans of this planet that are breathing, over 8 billion of us, and the other critters too, breathing through lungs and gills, because to be alive is to feel the pulse of our planet and providing us oxygen. So feel our, just let the air enter your body. Feel it come into your lungs. down through the little passages to the, the alveoli in the lungs, 
the oxygen released into the blood vessels to kiss each cell awake. The out-breaths, the out-breathing, the exhalation, all that good CO2 to nourish the trees, the grasses, the plants. So more oxygen can be made. That beautiful cycle of reciprocity. So let we will let our breathing, each lungful, each exhaling, remind us that we're awake and that we're part of this great exchange. Like everything we do, we receive and we give. Even when we sleep. Feeling that in our torso, in our arms and legs, coming alive each time, and this sweetness of the exhaling, breathing out. And with this breath, we feel how it is being breathed now. And people in their cars, sitting on the highway or waiting their turn for the next light to change. It's being breathed in the hospitals where nurses are helping people. Some in the hospital have to put them on ventilators. People sick with the pandemic. Breathing, breathe with them now. Feel their breath with the ventilators. Breathing with their families who are anxious. And we'll keep it breathing. Breathing with people waiting in line. And towns all around our planet. Some waiting in drought-ridden lands, <laughs> like here, or way over in Africa, waiting, waiting in line, waiting in line, breathing as they wait as they wait for a piece of paper. A visa, perhaps. Or waiting to be paid, they're breathing. Or waiting for their turn.
people waiting and breathing. People running and skiing and skating, breathing as they skate in the Olympic Games. Ooh. Lungs trained by their athletic and so competently breathing in and breathing out as they show the wonders the human body can do. Because we are breathing people and breathing creatures. And some of us are breathing in prayer. Prayer for our planet. Because our learning our planet is breathing. Militiamen and soldiers, military women and men breathing as they polish or tend or wait, wait for signals to use their weapons. Breathing as they wait inside or outside the borders and Ukraine. Breathing as they, as the diplomats and their assistants prepare the next lap of the negotiations. Breathing with the trees. Breathing with the whales, the dolphins, the turtles. Breathing with the newborn. Just now, the first breath Sometimes coming with a cry, ah! Welcome to Earth, newborn. You'll be breathing with us. How lucky we are. How blessed we are. With each breath. And our beloved teacher, Ty, he now must breathe through us in his continuation. May his teachings continue through us, the breathing ones, for us, his continuation. Oh, may we not tire or complain ever for what we must face or what we or the work we can do. Let us stay glad because we are breathing in the continuation of our beloved teacher Ty.
Did you feel each breath of that silence? Continue to feel it as you go forth, you, my friends, to into an evening, and me out into the sunshine for a high hill walk with my friend. But even when I finish this now, we will be breathing together. We can tune together. And know that it's the earth breathing through us. In gratitude for this life, for this moment, for this Joanna, thank you. What a blessing. What a beautiful time. Thank you for all you are. And um, you deserve your walk. <laughs> Yay! Joanna, blessings. Bye. Bye, Hope. Thank you. Lots of love. Bye, Joanna. Um, Bye, brother. Bye, Joanna. Love you. Bye. You too. Bye. You. Bye. Dear listeners, wow, that was um, quite something. Joanna Macy at 92 in her full glory. What a treat. Um, anyway, we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Um, if you have, um, there are many more episodes of the podcast series, The Way Out is In. You can catch us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on other platforms that carry podcasts, and, of course, on our very own Plum Village app. And this podcast was brought to you by the generous donors of the Tignihan Foundation. If you would like to support future episodes of the podcast and the work of the international Plum Village community, please visit www.tnhf.org slash donate. Thank you very much and see you next time. Yeah.